Hello and welcome to another episode of the Aligned Performance Podcast, the podcast that goes beyond the day-to-day to help you create your most aligned life of purpose and potential. My name is Trang, your host for the show, and today I am delighted to be sharing with you a conversation that I had with Kara Payton talking about how to be authentic as the path to freedom. Kara Payton is known as the happiness anti-hero. She is the author of The Happiness Habit, host of The Happiness Habit podcast. She's a TEDx speaker, a coach, a facilitator of meditations and breath work. And she has a bit to share about how to show up authentically to create that freedom in yourself and in your life. Kara has been on that journey, getting to a point in her 20s where she was exhausted and done with putting on a good face, with holding this facade, and now evolving to a place where she continually steps into a truer and unfiltered version of herself. So today we talk about why we are taught to not be real from the moment we are born. How we know what's real for us versus what's not. What are the practices we can do to get to know the real us? How to overcome others' judgments so that we can express ourselves authentically and so much more. This is a really eye-opening and expansive conversation. Like I learned so much from it. I felt really uplifted after this this shared space with Kara and I am really hoping that this is going to be the same for you. So Let's get into it. This is my conversation with Kara Payton on authenticity as a path to freedom. Kara Payton, welcome to the Aligned Performance Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to dive into today's topic. Yeah, I know that this is your bread and butter and there's going to be so much that we're going to be able to explore and what we are talking about today is authenticity as a path to freedom. And this is something that you have spoken about a lot. This is something that you have experienced throughout your journey. So why don't we start with you sharing with us your story of how you've been in a place where you've been exhausted from putting on a good face, like holding it together to where you are now, where you are expressing yourself truly and authentically. Well, um, to be totally transparent, at 37 years old, I'm still learning a truer and more truer version of myself each day. So there's really not an arrival point that I could say that I've, I've gotten to, but the journey has proven itself to me that this really is the path to healing, to the ultimate sense of freedom, joy, fulfillment, everything that we could ever seek to want, and the things that we are told that the outside world is going to give us that all of a sudden we get disenfranchised going, Hey, that's not really the promise was empty. And we kind of come unglued and unraveled slowly, but surely to this whole setup that sold us a lot of lies and tried to get us to feel just not enough to where we would click to add to cart, check out, sign up for the subscription, register for the class, like whatever the goal is, we're being sold anything that does not tell us that we are perfect as we are, that we are whole as we are, that we are worthy as we are, that we are enough as we are, that we are beautiful as we are. Anything that doesn't say that 
in its marketing, in its messaging is attempting to make a sale. And I was no mm-hmm. exception. And that's what marketing does, right? It, it creates the gap in you. It emphasizes the pain point that you feel about that gap. And so because we are maybe not happy or maybe insecure, or maybe too young to really know what we want and what we're doing, and what who we are yet, we assume that that's the gap they're talking about. So we're like, oh yeah, I really do have that gap. Yeah, and it is kind of painful to not know, to not feel, to not have certainty, to not have this joy, to not have this peace, to not feel successful. Oh, you've got my answer? Oh, thank God. I'll buy it immediately. It's two, four, five, six thousand dollars. I'm gonna have to buy it as a supplement, as a subscription, as a beauty product, as a what that's fine, I'll do it. And we buy this line of crap. <laughs> if I'm honest, from not only mm-hmm. the marketing industry, but each other, but our relationships, but our family dynamics, they all sell something similar. And I was no exception. So rewind myself to, well, let's parallel this with just the human experience. You're a child in your family dynamic. And unfortunately, yes, it's going to be one of those go back to childhood because that's yeah, that's where these messages start. In your childhood, you observe your family dynamic and you observe micro expressions. You observe the tonality. You observe everybody's mannerisms, how they relate to one another. You watch and observe how your family dynamic functions and who you'll need to be to gain acceptance, to gain approval, to gain love, to gain safety. And you understand that these little micro negotiations are necessary to stay connected to your family. Totally normal. However, it's not normal, but we all do it to a certain degree because there's certain dysfunctions in pretty much all of our setups and dynamics because we're wired for connection. We're wired. It's deeply ingrained in our brain to find a tribe, to find a group, to find a clique, to find a friend group, to find a love, to find a job, to find a workplace camaraderie. And this isn't bad to be wired this way. However, we sacrifice everything about ourselves on the altar of this connection. And it doesn't ever have a stopping point. And that's where it gets dangerous. We start telling ourselves and we start gaslighting ourselves that 99% of me is okay. If I'm, if I just take this 1% that I know is a little bit raw around the edges, it's a little bit harder to accept. It's a little bit more not so glamorous. And I'm just going to, I'm gonna, I'm not bringing that part of me to the table. I'm not bringing that part of me to the job. I'm not bringing that part of me to the relationship. It's fine. I'll just maintain with 99% of me. That would be, that would be pretty good odds, except it doesn't stop there. And that would be pretty good odds, except in order to maintain it and maintain this cadence, 99% day after day, after year, after year, after year, That doesn't stay at 99 because that one part of you has other parts that bleed into the way that you, the way that you think bleeds into the way that you communicate. So you might have to, if you think you're wildly thoughtful, wildly creative, wildly, you know, people say intrusive thoughts, like what we all have them. But if you, if you actually have those and you know that about you and you think, okay, well, that's not going to, nobody's going to understand that. Then you have to curb the way that you talk. Well, if that's the case, you have to kind of curb the way that you feel. And then you have to curb the way you behave. All to maintain this sense of self-abandonment and 
kind of this ever demanding negotiation process. So now bringing me into the fold, I did this too. I was, I felt like the, I felt like the, just the, the thumb that stuck out on the wrong side of the hand. I just was like, it was constant. I was the weird, goofy, lanky kid. I was way too creative for my own good. I sang songs about road signs and all that. I could, I could literally stare at a leaf or a butterfly wing for hours. And I wanted everybody else to, I was like, oh, I was so easily amused. And I was so, I was in a constant state of wonder. This little girl was the most creative, flighty, dancing around, joyful, happy-go-lucky kid. And she was too much for a lot of people. She was too much. She was made fun of at school. Then it was kind of reflected at home. Then it was kind of reflected in the neighborhood kids. Then it was reflected in my first crush or boyfriend or whatever the case. And I slowly learned that that happy-go-lucky freely thinking, freely creative, freely thinking, just she needed to, she had something wrong. She had something wrong about life. She wasn't cool. I was not cool. When you think cool and you think uncool, I'm still not as cool as those two. (laughs) It was very just, you took the nerds in movies and I looked up to the nerds in the movies because the nerds in the movies still had boobs or still had like, they still had something. I was like, I'm, I'm a green bean, flat chested, you know, just uncoordinated. Oh man. If you took like a floppy dandelion and put shoes on her, that was me. I was just so awkward and I hated it. I began to, because I had continuously shoved more and more bits of me in hiding to get the cool friends and fit into the crowd. I actually started to hate this version of myself. Because it was a constant self-flagellation. I had to join my abusers. I had to join the people that made fun of me. And every single time they're making fun of other people that were like me, that just kind of owned it. I hated the kids that owned it because I was jealous that they could stand on their own two feet. But I also hated my own friends because they were making fun of other people. And I had to mirror this judgment. Yeah, look at them. They're wearing like, old clothes and you know they're not they're not up to date they're not cool they're not like what are they they, do they shop at the thrift store and just it's a mess this never stopped I had relationships that nobody even knew who I was I ended up needing external validation in all forms I my favorite my favorite poison was toxic relationships and people that abused me and 37 years old only in the last couple of years, only in the last couple of years, did I start realizing that everything that I've been trying to do with this personal growth, this health and wellness, self-development journey of mine still didn't involve this other part of me. I'm still trying to make this very unhappy person whole and healthy and happy, but I'm going just this part not this part. I didn't integrate any of that. And in the last couple of years, I've started to kind of peel back the layers and start digging out this happy-go-lucky little girl again, going, I am so sorry I left you behind. I'm so sorry that I told you you are not good enough to be shown. 
I'm so sorry I made you feel like I wasn't proud of who you are. I'm so sorry I reflected the rejection in everybody else's eyes that you already saw, but then you saw it in me too. And I eventually learned that this was a, a father wound, never being constantly chasing approval, never being able to avoid criticism by being good enough. And when I realized that, I realized every single male relationship I'd ever been in had the same theme. And I was given the opportunity in the last couple of years to really integrate that person back into me, back into my life and call her and let her lead. And she's now in a position after talking to her and getting her, knowing that she has a safe place in me to go, where do you want to go? What do you want to do with your life? You're leading. I have made a huge mess of my life. What do you want to do with it? What was your dream when I first tucked you away? Let's do that. Let's try that. Let's go after that. And since then, I have had clients and people in my world and audience in my own, in my own podcast and readers of my book that I have never, ever once seen an outlayer to this same theme. All of our wounds and all of our stuff, all of our mess, all of our misery and depression and anxiety comes from this abandonment, authenticity, abandoning the truth of our who we are. And it's been life-changing to realize how much of a collective family the world is as far as this, this journey of turning away from who we truly are and daring them to show the world who that was. Wow. Tara, firstly, Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for being so authentic and open in in sharing your story. And also and, and mainly the the reality that you are still working through that now. It is an ongoing process. Because as you said at the very start, we are sold this narrative of, okay, we need to arrive somewhere, right? We we need to get somewhere and then we will finally have all of our problems solved and we can finally, you know, have everything that we need. And it can look like that from the outside, but thank you for sharing that. This is a continuous process for you. And sharing Absolutely. that, like it's not just be authentic, be real. It's not just a switch that you can switch on and off because it is a lifetime of shoulds and shouldn'ts, a lifetime mm -hmm. of our subconscious. We don't even realize it. Our subconscious mm -hmm. molding to fit family, the culture that we grew up in. Yeah, it's the, it's the imprints that we were given. And because it is in our subconscious, we don't even have the awareness of that's where I think the coaching industry, the personal development industry really sells everyone super, super, super short because they're talking about the conscious things in our sight, the limiting beliefs, as they call them. That's things you can see. That's problems and snags and cross wires that you can identify. This is a pain yeah. point. It's in my relationship. What are the patterns of yourself in the relationship? What are the patterns of the relationship? It is not about the patterns of your relationship. That is the outcome. That is the end result. That's the little, that's the weed that pops up to the surface. You pull that weed mm -hmm. out. Congratulations. Good luck next summer, next relationship when the weed pops back up again. And you're going to think, oh my God, I attracted another narcissist. No, you didn't, sweetie. Your nervous system attracted another part of you to tell you something's going wrong with you. And it's designed to give you a signal. Your anxiety, your triggers 
are signals, important information that you are supposed to be looking at and not trying to take an anxiety med to go away. You're not supposed to go drinking with your girlfriend so you don't feel it. And you're definitely not supposed to jump into another relationship that's going to cover it up for a short time until that one's over, leaving you even more empty, even more lost, and even more fearful that this is going to be an ongoing forever thing or something's wrong with you, the biggest lie that we so easily jump both feet into. Mm. Yeah. And I'm really curious because I saw I saw you put this someone up on your Instagram yesterday, I think, a quote about, you know, being cancelled. And you said that, you know, you've been cancelled since 2020, but now <laughs> you're in a place where you like you can't express yourself, right? And I'm curious because, yeah, I'm sure that this feels really liberating. This feels really free for you to be able to be real, to be able to be you. But how do you know the difference? Because I'm sure like maybe 10, 15 years ago when you were like, you know, masking, you were being this molded version of you, maybe and maybe not, maybe you didn't know any different. Like maybe that is all you knew. So I'm curious to hear like what it feels like now compared to then and how did you actually rise above the illusion and start this process? That's a really good question. And I actually don't think I've been asked that before yet. And the best answer I can come up with is that before my current present life, there was always a degree of subsurface buzzing. There was some sort of pull and need and desperate, kind of almost reactive to the world around me, whether it be take it or leave it with a relationship. It was never like that. It was always like, I'm losing something. Oh my God, I, can't, I, I need to do something about this. I need to save this. I need to find a way to get this client or keep this friend. Or it was scratching and clawing and trying to figure out how to manipulate or to make it sound better or to represent or more self-abandonment where I show up as someone else and I put on a little bit more makeup. I shove myself in a little bit tighter clothes. I make myself look a little bit better on the outside. I get the hair extensions. I get the fillers. I get the eyelashes. I get all the crap and make myself more polished to show up in the world more worthy. It was always external. It was always some sort of creating more static. Somebody make make it louder because every single time it all falls apart and I end up in a dark and empty room by myself, that whisper won't go away. Mm. I can make hundreds of thousands of dollars. I can get married. I can have the job. I can have the status. I can have the, the beauty, the injections. I can rid every single wrinkle on the outside of me. But when it all falls apart and when I let myself stop and breathe, I can't get this inner voice to shut up. Mm. And now, fast forwarding to today, the inner voice is still there and I don't want it to go away. There's an ease. There's a lean in factor. That calling, that whisper, those nudges, that intuition, those pangs of anxiety, we have a relationship now. I'm going, oh, that was, I just got, I just got triggered. What was that? Talk to me. Tell me more about it. Who sent that? 
what part of me needs to, what part of me needs to talk, what part of me, and then I lean into it. Whereas before it was not only leaning away, I used to just lean away like a couple years, four, five, six, seven years ago. It was always just like, I leaned away. I knew that it was there, but I just leaned away before it was run for the hills, find a new boyfriend, go scorched earth, go get a drink, go, you know, find a new job, go stick something in your face. It was always like, absolutely. It was lean out and run away. And now Mm. it's lean in. And I think that if there's still that internal nag or anxiety, or you're still trying to fight against what's calling you toward yourself, then that's the biggest cue that, that there's, there's more work to be done. There's more lean in, there's more ownership, there's more authenticity needed. There's more truth because you're still not free. Oh, girl, that is powerful. What you said, you know, if we're ignoring what is calling us into our truth. And the thing with that is that it's such small signs and signals and little nudges day to day, isn't it? Like it's so small, it can be very easy to ignore it like not even intentionally just bypass it just not even notice it but then when you started to recognize recognize these little signs and instead of yeah turning away you started to listen to it more you started to become more in tune with that is that mm-hmm. is that what you're saying uh definitely and i want to disclose for any woman listening to this it's easy and it's natural to run away. It is one of the most natural things in the world. And to lean in at first feels like the most terrifying thing in the world. You know why? Our brains are wired for the familiar. It wants to go back to what it knows, even if that is the warm, gross disownership of self-abuse and self-abandonment. And it's going to be a process of completely turning against your natural reflex one by one by one. And every single truth that you will uncover makes that a little bit easier after it makes a little bit harder first. The truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. And it's so, (laughs) it's so human to turn away from it. So if you're in that place and you're like, oh my God, you know, I, you're sitting there after the fourth breakup or the, you know, just any type of thing, relationships tend to be in our 20s and 30s, that tends to be the just kind of the main metric that we use. We judge our health and our worth and all of that by how much money we make and what kind of guy we have. And honestly, that's also natural. And in self-abandonment, we look to other people to validate us. We look to other people to show our worth. And so usually that's reflected in the partner. When you get to a place where you have a relationship with you that's so strong, that that's the new metric, that's the new relationship metric, Freedom can come from that as well, but at least just, I wanted to pre-disclose, if you're doing that to yourself and you have, do not shame or embarrass or judge yourself for doing what is absolutely what your cre- what your brain is designed to do, because it, it's nothing you can, it's nothing you can help the design of, but you can help change it. Mm, yeah. I love that I can yeah, hear the I birds in the background of your place. Uh, yes. 
of barley living. I'm just doing it like work outside all day, every day at the moment. It is so beautiful. And it's morning over here, 7.30 in the morning. The sun's coming up, you know, the, the palm trees in front of me. So, yeah, I've, I've got to show you the view after this. I'll turn my laptop around. But yeah, like I, I really feel what you just said because there's so much there's so much to this in that, you know, there there's like the deep craving to be us, but then there's also the fluctuations of emotions, right? It's like, okay, I, I really want to express this part of me, but I feel scared. You know, I feel resistant. This part of me is calling to be shown to for this decision to be made for me to explore this part of me or this part of life. And, you know, there's like the the noticeable, loud emotions of or feelings of, yeah, do I really want this? Am I making a mistake? Like, what if I regret this? What will other people think of me? There's all these fears. But I think from what it sounds like, you know, the first step is actually what what we're talking about now, illuminating that, you know, bringing it to the mm-hmm. surface so that we can be aware of it we can catch ourselves on a day-to-day basis and then rise above it and then continually choose to choose us, to choose our true self. Yeah, absolutely. I would Mm. follow that up by saying that the trapped emotions in that self-abandonment, the trapped identity pieces, the trapped pieces of truth they do, the reason why it sometimes gets more painful over time is because there's only two ways for these types of truths and these emotions to be processed. We either express them, just get them out and actually own them, actually show them, actually feel them to completion, right? Because we tell ourselves, if I feel it, I'm never going to stop feeling it. I feel it, it's going to be, I'm going to fail. If I feel it, I'm going to, I'm going to fall down in it and never be able to recover. You feel it until completion. And it does mm. complete. There's a huge fallacy about our emotions that we can't, we can't feel it. I don't want to go there because I think I'll get lost in it. No, it, you're not going to get lost in it. Your emotions are in you. You are not in your emotions. Your emotions will not get lost in you. They will express themselves and come out. But the other option yeah. besides emotional expression is emotional suppression. And the problem and the dangers with that is that emotional suppression, it can't be trapped. It will come out in what it'll follow a path of least resistance and it will find a way. And this is usually where our anxiety, our depression, our ailments, our addictions all come from, is that it was trying to find a way to express itself and give you the clue that something's wrong because our body wants homeostasis. It wants healing. But if we continue to deny this, we're going to end up with health issues, weight issues, mental issues, emotional issues that we can't fix because we're not going to the root of them. Wow. Yeah, I love that. And I've got another question for you. This one is another, yeah, like, this is so me. I'm just like so analytical. I I want to ask, like, how do you know the difference? Like, how do you know the difference between what's real, you know, what's the most raw, natural, untouched part of us versus what we think is the real part of us, but still is maybe something that's habitual, maybe a part of us that we have observed and modeled off, I don't know, people on social media or people around us. Like, How can we discern what's really real for us? I would say that on a case-by-case basis, 
what you'll notice when you ask yourself a question is that when you're feeding yourself full of BS or something that you're telling yourself that's not true and you're trying to kind of pass it over, I would observe the body in that moment because an answer that truly resonates doesn't cause a signal in the nervous system. It's actually the opposite. Mm. It's almost a, a calming of the nervous system. If something resonates and vibrates with you, you don't really get a secondary signal. So if you're looking for a sign and you get one, I actually, I personally think that when I get a sign, it's more or less a signal that I'm looking for another distraction to avoid the truth. We're looking for signs. We don't need signs. We know we know. And if you're looking mm. for a sign, you're not in a state of honesty. You're not actually seeking. You're in a, you're still in a state of, there's three ways that we can do this. We can numb, we can distract, and we can avoid. And all of that, all of us, all of these things will continuously act as barriers to the true and authentic core of whatever it is we're seeking. Because mm. when we have a question that we pose ourselves and we get an answer, it's typically the mind, the mind knows what we're doing. And the mind kind of has a really, really good cock blocking system for how it gets us to avoid the situation. Like it will send you a fake answer. It's like, how do I hear my true self versus the, you don't hear, well, some people truly hear, some people see, some people feel it's, but most of, mm. most of all, it's the absence of all of the possible responses, rebuttals, justifications, excuses that'll come up afterward. So when I find that I've reached a place of truth, when I feel like I have landed on a possibility, there's something that just, almost like it wants me to land there, my body goes, hands off, let her get there, let her figure it out, <gasps> let her, let her, let the magnet, it's almost like when you take a when you take a pendulum or something and you want it to actually land, you stop where you want it to fall and land. And so it's almost like your your whole body is voting for you to just, oh, stop pushing. She's going to land there. She's going to land on it. Shh, let her hear it. And I feel like that is the bigger thing. And that's my own personal experience. So I would say I would challenge if you've tried looking for signs, if you tried answering your own questions, if you tried looking for information and getting there, if, if it hasn't been working for you, just experiment with this system for like the next couple questions that you ask yourself, your, your core, your inner being, just send it out to the universe and then surrender to it. And then you've surrendered to it. So your mind's going to not really going to enter the equation because you've already kind of released it from, from thought and just see where that, see where that takes you for the next, next few internal questions. I, I'm, I'm betting that it, it might be pretty cool. It's, it's never proven me wrong so far. Mm. I'm hearing that there is a big element of allowing and intuition here. You know, like the opposite of forcing and pushing and searching and, and trying, but mm -hmm. instead like listening and experiencing so that we can notice, you know, what what feels really free and what feels really flowy versus what doesn't. And I and as you were talking, I was thinking for me. Something that I have, I've done, you know, the, the 360 for this and it's still a work in progress. But when I was 18 years old, I went to my very first ever outdoor music festival. 
And I, for a long time, said that was the best night of my life. I just felt so liberated. I could sing as loud as I could. I could move my body and dance however I could. And I loved it. I loved it so much. But then there was a phase in my mid-20s for about five years where I didn't go to any festivals because I thought that in order to be professional, in order to be credible and respected, I can't be seen, you know, in like short shorts or in a singlet dancing at a festival. Like I can't be seen doing that. That's going to take away from my credibility. But then more recently I started going again and the just, I don't know, how do I describe it? The freedom, you know, like of being there, (laughs) of like, you know, blasting my lungs out and just, being me you know moving singing dancing expressing to the music and I'm I go like completely sober because I just go there for the music purely for the music and that is a sense of flow and like oneness with me where I don't need to think I don't need to plan I don't need to adjust myself I'm just me and I I notice that in contrast to other times of my life where I'm like, okay, I need to adjust myself. I need to think about what I'm going to say. I need to think about what I'm going to do. So like, yeah, kind of that, that allowing of noticing what is coming up for us. 100%. There's actually a really, really cool explanation as to why that was so impactful for you, what it says about you, what it says about so many different things that many women can relate to, especially in society today, especially in women in their 20s and 30s. We are ailed by this same affliction. And it's all, it relates to core masculine and core feminine energies. And Mm. this is not to be construed with gender associations, because I have masculine energy in me and feminine energy in me. You have masculine energy in you and feminine energy in you. Men have the same thing. We both have male and female. It depends on what the core energy truly is. And if you were brought alive and it felt like total integrous ownership of you, you felt alive, you felt you, that in in a state of flow, in a state of expression, in a state of being, in a state of just absolute freedom, that tells me your core energy, your true core identifying energy is feminine. Mm. And so in the states where you weren't feeling yourself when you were doing, when you're forcing, you're like, oh, I have to be professional. That is masculine energy and it's not your core. It's not for you. That zone is not for you. There are going to be pieces that are going to require masculine energy. There's nothing wrong with structure. There's nothing wrong with doing. There's nothing wrong with creating. There's nothing wrong with provision. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with a woman who has a core masculine energy. But there is a difference when there's somebody with a core feminine energy that's operating in masculine energy predominantly as her core. And that's where we see so much of society get so lost today because what are we telling women on loop, no matter what? You can do anything a man can do. You can go, you can go-getters, boss babes, corporate, you can climb the ladder, you can top top it all and dominate and lead and all of that. Yes, yes. And women absolutely should be in leadership roles. They should own businesses. They should be in the marketplace. They should absolutely run for office. They should be in all of these places. Not in masculine energy. We need a balancer. 
We need women in the marketplace. Absolutely. We need women in CEO positions. Absolutely. We need women in the corporate world. Absolutely. In feminine energy. Because masculine energy is part of the equation. Feminine energy is part of the equation. Neither of them are, neither of them are the same. Neither of them are unequal. Neither of them are less important. They are exactly 50-50. And what we're watching today is a complete flip-flop where we have men trying to be more feminine and women trying to be more masculine. And it's all screwed up. They each gender blames and hates and judges the other because they're trying to operate completely maligned from their core. If we were to truly go back to the way it's supposed to be, where if I have core feminine, even if I'm a man, if I have core masculine, even if I'm a woman, owning that, stepping in that, being in that, not trying to be anything else. And so I would bet that music festivals speak to you because they absolutely bring you back to total alignment, which is perfect for the Alignment Performance Podcast. <laughs> uh, the whole time that you were speaking just then, Kara, I was laughing on the inside because that is the whole journey that I have been on going into my feminine more and I'm feeling that alignment. This has been maybe the last nine months or so, feeling that alignment, feeling so good about it. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. What are what are the this is now this is a masculine question coming in. You know, we we've talked about the intuition, we've talked about listening and and noticing, right? But is there anything that might be, you know, tangible that the listeners can take away to become more in tune to notice these signals more or to to actually step into their real self more are there any practices that you do like daily weekly um, what is something that yeah you found has worked for you there are there are a few things yes absolutely and I don't want to get it twisted that doing and all of that is is anything that's maligned from feminine because I would say that if you focus on your energy and where you're coming from and you really get aligned with the feminine energy of you, your core truth, doing from there, creating from there, all of that is going to be magic and so effective. Yeah. So if you get stuck in kind of, oh, I don't really, I don't really know what to do, uh, fix your energy first and then move in. But as far as a daily practice and things that I do in the morning, I do my own breath work and it is a total alignment for clarity energy and seeking my authentic self, showing up as my authentic self, and then creating a life I love from there. And so I actually have that I can give to your listeners that they can download it. It's a daily practice. They can do it. It's 15 minutes long and it helps you tap into the most authentic version of yourself in bite-sized forms because obviously the, the path to being your most authentic self is a lifelong journey. And with that said, what I do before going to bed is I always ask myself, what would be even truer than this truth? What would be an even more true version of myself that could show up tomorrow than showed up today? And I do that before bed because now I'm putting my subconscious mind to work. I'm telling it, here's the command. I, t I actually go a little bit further. I say, I want you to wake me up at 6 a.m. I want to wake up with clarity, vitality, energy, and joy. And I want to wake up a more authentic version of myself tomorrow than I was today. And I tell my subconscious, you work out the plan and I will execute in the morning. Mm. 
Wow. So morning and night. This is something that you you ask yourself, you know, you set these intentions, which is so beautiful because in some ways, like, you know, the intention behind what we do can be even more important than what we do. In this case, this is you showing up. Like this is about who you are as you go through your days. That is really beautiful. And from there, I've got, we are coming towards the end of the podcast and I've got so many other questions I want to ask you, Cara, (laughs) but something has come up and I'd love to ask you this, how you navigate and how you create your thinking and your, your reality when there are forces that are out of your control. And what Mm -hmm. I mean by that is, okay, you know, morning and night, you're setting these intentions, right? Like you are showing up with this this clarity and you're choosing how to move forward in your life but what happens when there are friends or family or followers on social media and they say to you da 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 like they're judging you they're giving you advice they're like why are you like this like no I don't want to hear this and you know there are those voices that seep into your world what is it that you do in order to, you know, work through these scenarios? Is there anything that you tell yourself? Um, please share with us that. Absolutely. And that's kind of the caveat of seeking a more authentic self, right? We have, we're, we're breaking, if we think about what we're doing, essentially, is we're breaking the agreements. We're disappointing people. We're breaking the habit. We're, we're, we're not keeping the secret of who we are anymore. And there's literally in relationships, if you think about them, like bonds, like contracts, like agreements, we're breaking them. We're doing this intentionally to, to them. It's, it's personal. It's, it's, they're, they're trying to help us. Their, their brain is now in our business, trying to pull us back to a comfort zone. Hey, we agreed upon this. We go out drinking all the time. What are you going to do? Be responsible, become an entrepreneur. I don't like this. We, we go have hot girl summer and we screw around with toxic men and that, that's what we do. You're not going to, you don't grow because they want an execute. They want an excuse. They want a justification and they want a reason to avoid their stuff too. Everybody's afraid mm-hmm. of the truth. And so if you can understand that this is not a one-to-one thing, this is not a personal thing. Nobody's taking this personally, truly. And that you're not to take it personal either. Everybody's in this journey and everybody's afraid of their truth. Everybody's showing, afraid of showing up who they really are. And so when we can remind ourselves that it's their wound that's judging us, it's their pain that is and fear that is afraid, not us, not them. Their higher mm-hmm. intrinsic self is secretly going, move toward that move toward that, even if their judgment, even if their fear, even if their ego is trying to tear you back down to stay in this level of agreed upon dishonesty, inauthenticity, and comfort. So I just remind myself, wounded people wound people. And if somebody is judging me, they're either, first of all, they're either jealous that I've taken, and I I don't mean jealous in like the, the catty way. I mean it in the adult very, very deeply felt way. They are jealous that we have stepped into a place of freedom. They are jealous of the happiness. They're jealous of the fulfillment. They're jealous of the success. They're jealous because we jumped and they want to so bad that they don't even know how. Or they see something in you that they're not owning 
And again, they wish they were. So I just remind myself that. But then there's a second degree of it. When somebody actually comes at me, I have first, before anybody comes at me, before I've lost a relationship and I've broken off a family bond or something like that, I have decided in advance who I am, what my identity is, what I will no longer accept, what I will no longer do, because that's, that's the misnomer about boundaries. Boundaries are actually not for other people. That's guard. You're going to conduct yourself with me this way. That's a guard. That's a fence post. That's a, that's an ultimatum. That's a standard of operation. That's not a boundary. Boundaries are for you. They are personal self-government. This is how I am going to conduct myself. This is a standard to which I hold myself. Holding others, you don't hold others to a boundary. It's a fence line they don't even own. They don't know where it is. That's your own. So create your non-negotiables, your boundary, and your identity. The identity being key. Because if you get nothing else from this podcast, get this. Establish who you're going to be. And then everything, what you want, what you're going to do, everything stems from that. If you don't know what you want to do with your day, look at, look at who you are. Look at who you are and reverse engineer everything. The way you spend your money, the way you spend your time, the way you spend your energy, the way you spend your focus, all of that will stem from that one pool. If you can get that down, so many of your answers go right out the window. Oh, that is great. So having, having both aspects, right? So like the ongoing practice and awareness and connection to yourself of like your identity, what you stand for, what you don't stand for. So then you can walk forwards with conviction, no matter what anyone else says. And then also the, the, in the moments reminder of, okay, if someone's saying something to me, then it's more about them than it is about me. You know, they're feeling this about themselves and then they're projecting that onto me. I think, I think that's so great. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Before we go into the rapid fire questions, there is one more question I'd like to ask you. And that is, is there anything that I haven't asked you yet or anything that we haven't touched on that you would like to share and leave with the listeners? Oh, gosh. Just putting you on the spot there. Right. But I'm thinking of when you were describing the audience, describing the listeners, what I would have told to my 20 or 30 something self. I would have first and foremost told her, she's, you're not lost. (laughs) You are not lost. You are arriving right on time. And everything that's in your path has been working for you. You do have every clue. You do have the answers. You just don't like a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) So trust in the ground underneath your own two feet because it's there directed by the absolute infinite of the universe to get you right where you are. You're not lost. You're completely worthy. You're totally whole and you're enough. Oh, I love that. That's a quote that can be put up for sure. You are not lost. You've got the answers. Just don't like them right now. Mm. (laughs) And that is so true, right? Like those little those little pulls, those little tugs of, oh, should I start that business? You know, should I explore this different career path? Should I, you know, go traveling? Like those are there. It's just Mm -hmm. that we feel confused because we, 
are like, oh, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should do this instead. You know, what if I do that and it doesn't work out? What if I regret it? What will people think of me? And then it's that that mental gymnastics almost, you know, the the little tornado of thoughts in our minds that creates that illusion of being lost. Yeah, 100%. When we're confused – we're we're putting something there. We're putting static there. We're putting a filter there. We're putting we're putting something in our way. Mm, yeah. All right, Kara. Let's go into our rapid fire questions. There are five of them, and I love to finish off the episode with this so that we can have a little bit of fun and so that people can get to know you as well. You as you. Um, all right. First one. What is your favorite movie? Oh gosh, The Little Mermaid. <laughs> Oh, so, so sweet. Why is it that you kind of look like Ariel, though? <laughs> like, you're just like it was a movie. glowing. Gosh, it was a movie that I watched at my grandparents' house. And I. it's probably not even my favorite movie. It's the memories that were attached to that timeline of my life. It was such a good... My grandfather was such a wonderful person. I used to wander aimlessly long summer days. We were picking blackberries in his garden. And he, I just used to mm. follow him and listen to him talk about anything anything and everything and I think it was just such a precious time because I would go back in after a day in the garden and just watch my grandmother just buzz around the kitchen and make something up it was always just this amazing she had she made these um this amazing cucumber and onion salad tomatoes were to die for um it was just such a sweet nostalgic time so I think probably the little mermaid because i remember that playing on loop i was they i don't know how they let me watch it as many times as i did i would have i would have murdered me as a child if they had asked me to watch that so many times but so yeah that one was a really good one. Oh yeah have you watched the latest one the new um live the, the new live movie i haven't yet i'm a little intimidated that it'll be ruined for me just by <laughs> the way we do movies now <laughs> uh-huh. that's fair that's fair all right, next question, Kara. Mornings or nights? Both. I would sleep away the afternoon. I am a night owl and I'm a very early morning riser. So I basically in the summer, I don't get any sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so like siestas in the afternoon and then you make the most of the ends of the day. Love that. Yes. Um, what's the most memorable place that you've ever traveled? For some reason, Zion National Park wrecks my soul. I remember the very first time I drove across the boundary and found myself the back entrance. There's this place before you get to Angel's Landing, there's just this windy road of canyon and it is I knew I wanted to go to a national park because I wanted to start checking off natural national parks on my on my travel list, but for whatever reason, there was a soul tingle that happened when I when I opened up and came out of the cave and I was driving down that windy road when it opened up to the canyon I was not in I was not in my body in that moment and I've been in Fiji I've uh, in Fuji I've been in Fiji I've been in Japan traveling you know just backpacking with friends I've been everywhere I've been to Hawaii mm. and for some reason that canyon is is life-changing Wow. Okay. Coming from an Australian, I've got to ask, where where is this? Where are we talking? Zion National Park, right? Zion National Park is in Utah in the United States. Oh, yeah. 
I can imagine. Is it like, would it be, you know, like red golden rocks? Like I, that's just like what I'm picturing for Utah, but I could be completely wrong. <laughs> Utah, Arizona, some parts of Northern California, Nevada, like there's just that whole West side of the country is so beautiful and so different. And yes, there are places where you're going to find the Red Canyon Rock, but there's also places where you're going to have huge, steep, just 1500 foot drops and sharp cliffs. There's waterfalls, there's emerald pools, there's narrows where you're walking through canyon ways where it's covered in water and like crystal blue rolling rocks. Like it's just, it's vast, crazy. And then the rest of it, some of it's desert. It's just, if you want everything with the exception of a beach, you go to Utah. (laughs) Mm, Love it. Love that recommendation. And I just realized that I'm the worst at keeping these rapid fire questions rapid fire, but always that question (laughs) needs, it always needs deeper digging. Um, All right. Next one. How many coffees a day? One in the morning. If I do it all. It's just if I want the taste of it. Coffee and I have a very, very not so amazing relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Lovely. And final question, Kara, if you could do just one hobby for the rest of your life, what would it be? Gardening. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Being outside and like getting, getting hands on. I can imagine why. Dirty, dirty. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, well, Kara, we are at the end of the podcast now. I do want to thank you so much for your time and everything that you've shared. But first, for anyone who does want to get to know you more, who wants to ask any questions, find out about what it is that you do, where can they find you? I'm very easy to reach, but I would recommend either writing to me on my website. I read all of my emails. I do not let anybody fall in the tracks of Teams or automated emails. You will reach me directly and or uh, Instagram. And it's Kara Payton, but it has a little underscore in it. So if, I think if you searched Kara Payton, you Google me, it's it, everything pops up. But I will literally be the one behind the phone. I voice text everyone back. I say, hello, I'm here for the relationship and the connections. Mm, beautiful. I'll put all of those details in the podcast show notes, as well as your 15 minute meditation and breath work. Yes, I think absolutely. I think a lot of I think a lot of the women will be really looking forward to seeing and experiencing how that can shift their days. So I'm really looking forward to sharing that. Well, Kyra, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for coming on here and sharing with us your story, you know, your wisdom, your experiences. That has been a really beautiful and refreshing conversation you know like we didn't just talk about the standard you know how to be authentic how to be real but we went beyond that and I really hope that that is going to touch and make a difference for the listeners so thank you Kara. thank you so much it was a pleasure and there it is my conversation with Kara Payton on authenticity as a path to freedom what a beautiful conversation that was going beyond the the obvious, okay, be your true self, be real, but actually looking at the the deep-rooted obstacles that may stop us from expressing ourselves authentically, that may hold us back day to day to be that true version of ourselves and how we can continually work towards being authentic. I really hope that you got at least something tangible from that episode that you can start to implement straight away. 
If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to either Kara or myself. Our details are in the podcast show notes. And if you did enjoy this episode, then I'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to leave a review and a rating on whatever platform that you listen to the podcast to. It helps so much for you to leave your honest thoughts and spread the word about the podcast so that other heartbeats can have access to this inspirational and this informative resource as well. All right, you have a beautiful rest of your day. Keep expressing your highest and your best self and I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye.